0: Good morning. Good to have you with us today. Thank you for those who are on live stream for joining us well. Let us know you're, you're viewing us today. If you're on the inside aisles, please grab the uh, friendship register and uh, fill that out, send it down the aisle. Let it, as it comes back, notice who's there with you so you can greet them warmly. Uh, good to have each and every one of you here today. For those of you that might be a first time visitor or new to us, we have some welcome packs back at the Welcome Center. Uh, Jeff calls it what, the bag of swag? Got some tumblers in there, different things, but love, get that if you, if you can. Uh, you'll notice a couple of things. I won't read everything, of course, but um, Women in Prayer uh, this week, the ESL program, excited about that, starting back up, English as a Second Language, uh, helping those in our community with their, their language that need that, the Bible studies, Flowers in the Sanctuary this morning from Ron and Paul and Dickerson. So many things to be grateful for and thankful for. Um, is, is Amy Place here? Just prepare your heart uh, for worship uh, this morning as we come before the, the Lord. forward for the call to worship i want to also welcome jason he he's not jeff he looks somewhat like jeff Maybe got to meet jason at general assembly a few weeks ago got a great heart for the lord he's over in north Augusta, south carolina a fellowship there that they're planting a church that's our go. so let's let's pray for him and welcome him warmly
1: our call to worship this morning is psalm 150 verses 1 through 6 praise the lord Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Almighty God, as we stand in awe of your goodness and mercy today, we invite you to be present amongst us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, we declare that we love you. Thank you that you have made the way of love known through your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray that you would reveal this great love to us all today as we gather to worship. Lead us by your Spirit to praise you. May our hearts overflow with thanksgiving and our mouths proclaim your everlasting greatness. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
0: Let's stand together and worship the Lord in song. over the last month or so Jeff has added in an element to our worship that I think is very appropriate um, a confession a time The word "confess" you might already know this just simply means to agree with agree with when we confess we're agreeing with God that we have sinned we've got our own way uh, that we need him and what a wonderful thing happens when we do that for the first time our sins are cleansed and forgiven past present and future and he gives us his righteousness, that double, that, that exchange. What a wonderful thing. So this morning, as we enter into the time of confession, let me read Psalm 14, 1 through 3 for us. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together, they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. As you enter a time here of personal confession, we'll just be silent, and then in a moment I'll bring us back in, okay? So just take this time to confess before the Lord. Now as we enter a corporate uh, time of confession, let's in unison uh, recite this together. Eternal God in whom we live and move and have our being, whose face is hidden from us by our sins and whose mercy we forget in the blindness of our hearts. Cleanse us from all our offenses and deliver us from the proud thoughts and vain desires that with reverent and humble hearts we may draw near to you, confessing our faults, confiding in your grace, and finding in you our refuge and strength through Jesus Christ, your son. Amen. And as I proclaim this assurance of pardon from Psalm 32 5, I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Let's stand again. A great response to confession is praise. Let's sing to the Lord.
2: Precious Redeemer and friend
3: Russ forgot to tell us perhaps what's the most important thing about Jason, and that is he's a fellow Pittsburgher and, uh, and a Steeler fan, and so we're, we're excited to have you, Jason. As we're about to praise, uh, pray, I'm, I'm reminded of a favorite verse of mine. I actually memorized it long ago in the RSV version. It's uh, Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in your hope. Be patient in your tribulation. Be constant in prayer. And above all, we should rejoice in our hope as Christians, both in this life and for the next. Uh, To be patient in our tribulation, and it's not if we have it, we know that we all have tribulation, we all suffer. And we're to be patient in our tribulation. And then the great thing is be constant in prayer. We we have available to us an opportunity to speak to Almighty God at any time. Not just once a week when we have a problem um, or when we're seeking something. Uh, but to be in constant contact with him. And with that thought in, thought in mind... Uh, Let us go to the Lord with enthusiasm, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together, and, uh, and then I'll lead us in the community prayer. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we praise you, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, who no one has seen or can see to you be all honor and might forever. Thy kingdom come. Lord, would that each of us would be aware of the daily opportunities we have to be missional, to reach the unsaved with your gospel. Lord, would would we would become more bold? Would that our church would actively influence non-believers. And why? Because Christ's love should compel us. Thy will be done. You tell us in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. And, Lord, we don't always understand life. Help us to trust you, especially when we're hurting. And we ask that you would comfort and heal those in our body. Scott Patterson, Susan and Tom Porter, Jack and Carol Oxford, Mike Roberts, Margie Shepherd, Jerry Hill, Doug Hesse, and Lord, any others with issues that, that we haven't mentioned, may our body respond to aid those in need, and would that they would be willing to ask for our help. And Lord, let us be thankful for our daily provisions that we so often take for granted in this country. I, I doubt that any one of us, Lord, has gone without a meal. And yet in this world, that's really unusual. We thank you for your provision. Let us forgive all who have hurt us. And your Holy Spirit reminds me of Ephesians four thirty-two. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ in Christ God forgave you. And Lord, would that we would forget those who have forgive those who have hurt us. Would that we could wrap our arms around them and tell them that we forgive them. And Lord, we ask that you deliver us from the evil one. No temptation has seized you. It is not common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he'll give you an escape to stand under it. Lord, we thank you for your kingdom now and for the kingdom to come. We thank you and praise you for your power. And we look forward to seeing your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Just the offering, I'm sorry. (laughs) That was a different hand signal. Apostology.
4: Take your Bibles, please, in whatever medium you have them. Turn to Second Kings, chapter five. That's where we'll be this morning. Uh, before we begin, wanted to say um, thank you to thank you musicians for leading us this morning. You have um, a talented group here, uh, and I'm not just saying that. I've got a degree in music education. I know about these things. Um they, they're they're really good. Um, and thank you to our AV folks. I hope you thank them on a regular basis and not just. Uh, notice them when something goes sideways. Um, I hope you thank them on a regular basis um, I'd like to thank um, thank Russ for leading us this morning the, the other gentlemen is, as well Russ has been our uh, the point man here while Jeff's away for me to be here and um, real quick about about Jeff um, Jeff asked me a few weeks ago if I'd come fill in I say I'd be happy to um, I, I, I don't I know he's been here a, a about a year or so, I don't think you folks realize what a gem you have in Jeff, and if he finds out I'm saying this, he's going to get after me, but, because um, he doesn't know I'm going to say this. Um, Jeff is, is, a, is a well-respected, um, long-time pastor in our denomination. Jeff has uh, pastored a, uh, and mentored a lot of guys. Jeff, um, I'm, I'm part of a six-pastor cohort, and Jeff is the elder statesman in there, so Jeff, Jeff take, helps take care of my soul, too. Um, and and I, I hope you pray for him on a regular basis, for him and his wife. I hope you're thankful for him. He's shared with me a little bit about the congregation here. He loves you. He speaks, he brags about you. Don't, again, don't tell him I told you that. But he, he loves you, folks. And so I hope you'll pray for him, you'll follow him, you'll support him. Um, and lastly, before we get into our sermon, uh, my name is Jason, we're, I'm planting a church currently in North Augusta, South Carolina, about, um, an hour and a half due east of here on I-20, we're about a year in, Lord willing, this fall, we'll begin Sunday morning corporate worship, um, and we're, we're going through all the, all the, finding a meeting space, finding music, finding all that stuff, um, so you can, you can pray for us, um, it's been a, a roller coaster ride this last year, as you can imagine. Um, and I, I'm I'm blessed. I'm married to a wonderful girl named Abby. I, I'm from Pittsburgh. She's from right here in Georgia. Um, her grandparents have a, a house on the other side of the lake. Um, so we've been here before. I've got three kids. As it says in the bulletin, Joseph is seven. Patrick is five. Our daughter Ivy is our 3 teenager. She is three. Um, we're, we're, we're doing well, but my one ask of you is that you would pray for us. Um, you, would, you would just say, hey, that, that one guy, even if you can't remember, that, that guy that came, his church in North Augusta, Lord bless them. Um, that, that's what we need. So again, thank you for having me. We're in Second Kings chapter 5. Uh, let me read this text, and then I'll pray once again for us, and then as my late grandfather used to say, we'll get after it. So Second Kings chapter 5, hear now the word of the Lord. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, would that my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his lord, thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him now come to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand. And call upon the name of the Lord his God, and wave his hand over the place, and cure the leper. Are not Arbana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and he came and stood before him, and he said, behold, I know now that there is no God in all the earth, but in Israel. So accept now a present from your servant. But he said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Then Naaman said, if not, please let there be given to your servant two mule loads of earth. For from now on, your servant will not offer burnt offering or sacrifice to any God but the Lord. In this matter, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the house of Ramon to worship there, leaning on my arm, and I bow myself in the house of Ramon, when I bow myself in the house of Ramon, the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. He said to him, go in peace. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we delight to call you our Father. You have made us your sons and daughters through the work of your your Son, Jesus Christ, and through the application of the Holy Spirit's work to our hearts. Lord, thank you for preserving this story for us for ages and ages. Father, we are a, a people who need you. We need to hear good news this morning. Our world is divided. Sadly, our hearts are divided and we are distracted by many things. But Father, this morning we, we ask that, that our hearts would be united and our attention would be set upon good news that you've done work for us on our behalf and, and for your glory. So we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In 2003, writer Robert Kirkman and artist Tony Moore published a series of comic books. And this comic book, these comic books were based on a story about a sheriff in Kentucky who was shot in the line of duty and as a result fell into a coma. When he awoke from that particular coma, he found himself and the rest of society in the midst of, you guessed it, a zombie apocalypse. Most of you know this series by a better name. It's called The Walking Dead, and it's now on its final season on AMC. Um, My wife retires to the bedroom to watch NCIS reruns when I partake in this. This post-apocalyptic series centers around a virus that has infected most of humanity and spiraled society into chaos. We now have a massive free-for-all between the infected and the uninfected, and between the uninfected and the uninfected. Much like the famous comic book series, this story centers around a pestilence, a plague from which we seem to have no cure. We'll see in this the problem of Naaman and the solution of simp- simplicity. The problem of Naaman and the solution of simplicity. First of all, let's look at the problem of Naaman, and it's threefold. The first one is pretty simple to see. It's right on the surface there, right? Right? It says right off the bat at the end of verse 1, he was a leper. Now, most of us don't have much experience with leprosy as it's been mostly eradicated in first world countries. We find it nowadays in developing countries across the world. Uh, What is leprosy? Leprosy is a skin disease, a virus that affects you. It's a death sentence physically. First of all, it appears on the surface, but over time, It reaches deeper and deeper and deeper into tissue and bone until eventually parts of you just start to fall off. It's a very painful disease. It's a very contagious disease. So it's a death sentence physically. It's also a death sentence ceremonially. Any cursory reading of the first five books of the Bible um, tells you that if you were a leper, you were cast out. You were unclean until something miraculous happened and you could be cleared. You were completely castigated uh, ceremonially. You couldn't worship in the temple undergo the religious practices of the day. And of course, it was a death sentence socially. Um, Diagnosis of this leprosy uh, meant that you were completely cut off. You were quarantined. You were put away from society because this disease was extremely contagious and extremely deadly. Nobody wanted it. This problem of leprosy um, not only is a death sentence physically, socially, and ceremonially, I want you to see where it's placed in the story. Look in verses 1. Uh, look in verse 1. Just, it's, it's right there. Naaman, first of all, he's commander of the king of army of Syria. He's a great man with his master and in high favor. The Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor. This, this, this fact that he was a leper is put right up next to all his assets. Everything he had built, everything he had accomplished, it was put up right next to it in the story. This is not an accident by the story writer here. It's put up right next to his assets, and it completely negates all those other assets. Naaman's problem here is not just leprosy, but the fact that it completely obliterates his resume. And now the only thing we know about him and the number one priority on his to-do list is to get rid of this leprosy. But Naaman just doesn't have a leprosy problem. He's got a trust problem. As one of my friends said, raisin cookies that look like chocolate chip cookies are the reason I have trust issues. And as one of the few people on the planet who absolutely love a nice, soft oatmeal raisin cookies, I understand where he's coming from. When I reach into the bag to find something and find something totally different, part of me wells up with some, a little bit of anger. Somebody's fooled me. Um, But trust is a serious issue in our culture. Uh, Dale Dale Horsager, businessman, writes in his book, uh, The Power of Trust, uh, or The Trust Edge, I should say. He says that trust is the the actual currency of our society. If you don't have trust, you can't engage in a transaction. You buy and sell and do business with people who you trust. Naaman's got a trust issue. First of all, he trusts his resume, um, l- look, look at what he does. The first thing he does is he leverages one of his connections. He goes into his king and he says, hey, I've got leprosy. What are you going to do about it? Let's 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 work this out here. And his king says, no problem. I'll send you this guy you told me about. And he look, look in verse five, the middle of verse five. So he went taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6000 shekels of gold and 10 changes of clothing. Um, we don't engage in these measurements. So loosely translated adjusted for inflation. This is well over a million dollars worth of assets that he's bringing with him. This is a really big deal that he's bringing to the prophet. He says, hey, I've, I've got this resume, I've got all this wealth. Um, if you had two changes of clothing in this culture, you were you were really well off, and he's just bringing ten like it's nothing. Uh, he trusts his his resume, he trusts his culture. Um, look in verse 12. Are not Arbana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Uh, uh, my, my geography is better. Elisha, what's your problem? Why do you want me to wash here? I've got, I've got better better uh, rivers back home. After all, didn't we just beat you? That's how I got this servant, girl. We're better than you are. His protocol is his trust. He says his protocol is better. Um, why doesn't the king heal me? He goes to the king of Israel first. And then he goes to uh, the prophet. And he, wh- Why doesn't the prophet come out to me? And wave his hands and do his magician stuff. Um, this word here, why doesn't he stand before me? Um, look in verse 11. Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon that. This, this stand before, it's not just the narrator showing us where people are on the stage. This is a posture of submission, a posture of service, a posture of a lesser acknowledging a greater. Why, why, didn't, the, why didn't the prophet know who I am? Naaman has a trust issue, his resume, his culture, his protocol. He's, he's all saying, hey, I'm a big deal. King, I'm a big deal, king of Syria. King of Israel, I'm a big deal. Prophet, I'm a big deal. Come do what you're supposed to do because I'm a big deal. And trust is a big deal, isn't it? Um, before we moved to North Augusta, we lived in Simpsonville, South Carolina, in the, um, in the upstate. And... Uh, the first year we moved into our house, I, I, I really didn't um, do anything with a lawn. It was a small lawn, but I, di- I didn't really do anything with it. Uh, we had two small kids at the time trying to unpack a house. Um, I, was a, I was a pastor at a church as well as having a, a sales job. And um, it got to the point where my, my kids would come in and say, Daddy, my feet, the yard makes my feet hurt. Daddy, th- the, the yard is ouchy. And uh, and so I was like, okay, I, I should probably do something about that. And um, so I I went on YouTube, as you know most guys do, and there's a lot on there about yard restoration. Um, thankfully, my brother-in-law uh, has been a professional landscaper for the last thirty years. I don't know why I didn't go to him first. Why did I go to YouTube? Um, so I really did have two choices. Could I do trust my DIY skills, which which um, which more like don't, um, or I could trust my professional landscaper brother-in-law, and so I, I trusted him. And over a couple of growing seasons with aeration and, season, and, and seeding and watering and pre-treatment and post-treatment, um, there were no more ouchies. Uh, we we could walk on the yard uh, with 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 our bare feet and and not have a problem with it. You know, I could I could have trusted my own skills, but I I, I trusted. right person it's a big deal trust proved to be a big deal at that point and and I want us to take inventory of ourselves you know we're not all that different from Naaman yeah the time's different the country is different the culture is different but most of us are just like Naaman we are resourced we have talents we have connections we have ingenuity we have experience we have privileges. And, and aren't we just like Naaman? And, and here's a diagnosis. When you come on a problem or, or something that, that ramps up your anxiety or takes your, int- your attention, is your first reflexive response to go to your stuff and your connections and your resources? Or is your first response to pray? That's a quick way of diagnosing what you're really trusting. We're all like Naaman. We love our resumes. We love to say, hey, I've done this, this, and this. I know this person, this person, this person. And you know why we love our resumes? And you know why we love our experiences? And we know why we want to be the first one to to respond to the problem? Because if we solve the problem, we get the credit. And, And we're all... As they say, we're all glory hogs. We love to steal glory from God. We love to build up ourselves. We love to say, hey, that that guy took care of me. Go see him. He's awesome. Hey, I just tweeted, look, so-and-so just took care of me, man. Hit send. I got tweeted about, yeah. We're not that much different from Naaman in that we've got the same trust problems. Naaman's got a leprosy problem, he's got a trust problem, and he's got a national problem. And, and to us, I don't think this, um, this story comes across aqua- quite so shocking in the first first few verses. You know, um, Naaman gets diagnosed with leprosy. This servant girl says, yeah, go see, go see this prophet. No big deal. Um, judging from the, the, the room here, all of it, most of us were around for the first Cold War in the 80s. Um, Reagan v. Gorbachev, and we're, all, of course, all around for what seems to be a second Cold War with Russia. You know, the cultural equivalent of this would be if, if uh, Vladimir Putin, you know, um, a couple months ago, everybody didn't like him. We, have of course, moved off to something else as the object of our rage in our society. But you can remember a couple months ago, what, what if Vladimir Putin had, in one of his invasions of Ukraine, had taken away a little Ukrainian girl, and and put him in service of his house. And 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 Putin got diagnosed with terminal liver cancer. What would we expect this stolen servant girl to say? Would we expect her to say, oh yeah, go back to Ukraine? There's this there's this special doctor there. He'll heal you. Go go get him. I'll, I'll give you his address. What would we expect her to say? We would expect her to say, Good, you got terminal liver cancer. I hope you rot in your grave. Th- that would be the automatic response, the, the, the understanding response, we would, we would think from this story. Naaman is a Syrian, it says. The Lord gave him victory over Israel, it says. It says she's a slave. She's a spoil of war. It says that he's a mighty warrior, just like it describes Goliath. Naaman himself is the current reminder of the Amrid dynasty of kings, who if you read on them in the Kings and Chronicles, they were abject failures, just abject failures, total clown shows. And he is a reminder that the Israelites failed to carry out God's command in the promised land and to do away with all their enemies. Her natural response should have been, I hate you, Naaman. I hope you die of your leprosy. But she doesn't do that, right? As the writer Anne Lamott says, you can safely assume you've created a God in your own image when it turns out that he hates all the same people that you do. This little girl did not have that response. Instead, she overlooked the national cultural problem here and sent him off to his solution. Naaman has a problem here. It's a a leprosy problem. It's a trust problem. It's a national problem. So what's the solution here? And, of course, from our reading, we say, hey, go, go see the guy. Go see Elisha and dip in the Jordan River. And, you know, at that point, we're, we're just waiting in, in our society, the way we're programmed, we're waiting for there to come another voice to say, but wait, there's more for three easy credit card payments of $19.99. You can also have, like, isn't that what we're waiting for? There's got to be something more to this, Right. The, I, I use the word simplicity because, because there's all these simple characters. Look, look in. The, the, first, the simple servants speak. The, the servants are like the glue that are holding this whole thing together. Um, you notice the servant girl. We've talked about her. She, instead of instead of saying, "Hey, you know, go to your grave," she says, "Go to the prophet." Um, but this girl's not the only servant. I, I hope you see um, Elisha's servant. He's the one who actually takes out the message. Elisha sent a messenger in verse 10 saying, hey, here's the good news. All you got to do is go wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored. You'll be clean. We see Naaman's servants. Naaman, uh, at first, when he first hears that, it says he turned and went away in a rage. To say he was angry would be an understatement. But what what does his servants do? They talk him down off the ledge and say, look, this, if he would have told you to go do some ninja warrior type gauntlet, you would have gone and done it. All he told you to do was go jump in a river. What's the problem here? And the servants convince him to actually go jump in the river. And their message is all the same. The servant girl's message is the same. A licensed servant is the same. Uh, the name and servants, they're not mentioned by name. That, that's how the narrator says they're, they're, they're not big players in the story. Their, their message is all the same. Trust the prophet and do what he says. Trust the prophet and do what he says. And again, we're, this, under, this story undermines everything we want. We want someone to say, go do this quest and save yourself, and we'll go do it. We'll marshal our resources. We'll leverage our connections. Because what we want, we, we want everything we want, everything we desire, we want credit for. And, and isn't our culture like that? Our culture screams to us today, build your resume, build your resume, build your resume. Our, our students in high school and college are experiencing Record high levels of anxiety and and mental health issues. Why? Because our society says it's not just GPA anymore. Are your grades good enough? Are you doing enough extracurriculars? Are you engaged in sports? Are you engaged in community service? Are, are, Are you working a job in the community? Do you look good? Here's your social media. You're comparing your insides to someone else's curated outsides. You you can't get through the, the the checkout at the grocery store without being told about build your resume. Isn't that what all the magazines covers say? Hey, you can have abs too. I, I remember when my my wife was pregnant with our first son. And um, you know we got involved in the mommy blogs. And uh, I just remember her, she would tell me what some of them said and. Are you cloth diapers? Or are you are you are you store bought diapers? You know, are you, are you gonna use uh, fitted sheets or, or, or cotton sheets in your crib? Are you gonna have a crib? Or are you gonna sleep in your bed? What kind of feeding schedule are you gonna use? Are you gonna put them in school? Or are You gonna keep them at home? You know, when are you gonna get back in shape? And you need to bake your own bread every day. It's like wh- where where does it end? So, some of you are no doubt feeling this right now with with the market and its ups and downs. Yeah, the market is telling you you can never be wrong. Don't we feel this with 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 our te- our current divisiveness? We feel like we we always have to be right, and when we find out we're a little bit wrong, we double down and engage in some spin. You know, it, it, it's hard for us to say. I'm sorry, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Why? Because we want to be right. The world says you always have to be right. You always have to be do it. You you always have to build your resume. And just like this story, uh, it says that our gods are powerless and our resources are useless against our main problem, and that is our own sin. This brings up the age-old struggle of humanity. Right? We're just like our father Adam and our mother Eve. At the end of the day, we doubt God has our best interest in mind. And we'd rather be the arbiters of good and evil ourselves. We're just like Adam, we're just like Eve, we're just like Naaman. And all these gods and, and the resume building that our, our culture says we have to do, they make great servants, but they make terrible masters. Youth and work and connections and money and recreation. All the idols that our world says, hey, worship me. They make great servants, but they make terrible masters. For all of his connections and his accomplishments and his strength and his, his vigor, nothing Naaman could do could save him from his leprosy. So what do we find? We find that there's a prophet in Samaria and he just comes out and he says, go wash and be clean. Go wash and be clean. That's all you got to do. Go go in the Jordan, dunk in seven times and be clean. Is there something magical about the Jordan? No. Is there something great and unique about the Jordan River? No. You know what's great? The prophet. And the story really doesn't end here. The story just doesn't, it's not about Elisha's prophetic greatness. You know, prophets had two-fold job. They, 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 we know prophets, as we think of prophets, first of all, as as foretellers. These guys could tell the future. We'd love to have one of those guys around now and go to casinos, right? Because we'd give the money to the church, right? But they're also foretellers. They're, they're called by God to speak truth into a specific situation. They're foretellers. They're foretellers. And this points us to the prophet that was promised in Deuteronomy 18. Moses said himself, hey, a prophet will arise from, like me, from among you. Listen to him. And Elisha's word is good news to Naaman, but it points us to the greatest prophet, Jesus Christ, whose word is his deed. See, all the prophets in in the Old Testament would eventually die, and and. For all their prophetic greatness, they couldn't turn the children of Israel around. Why? Because their word is not their deed. They couldn't change a heart. Only one prophet can. Jesus Christ. He could come in and tell what's going to happen and he could tell what you should do. And he alone could change your heart. See, this miracle, like Jesus' miracles, aren't raw displays of power. They're not some... Freak circus sideshow, like, hey, look what I can do. Look what I can do. Look at me. Come pay some tickets. No, they're they're bits of creation restoration. Jesus uses his own story in his teaching in the gospel to bookend the healing of the Gentiles. How this, this episode with Naaman is, is like an appetizer for what Jesus will do among all the nations. And I want you to see that his flesh didn't just heal. It came out and it says... In verse 14, his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. It's the same word that's used in verse 2 to describe a little girl. Same word. That his flesh didn't just come out to previous Naaman with his scars and his battle wounds, but it was brand new. It was brand new, just like a kid. See, the world says, Come follow me, give your all for me. And and I'll give you something. Jesus says, Come follow me. I've given my all for you. See, that's good news. Good news is a prophet, is someone who could speak truth into our lives and change our lives. And this change in Naaman isn't just exterior, it's not with his flesh. Look in verse 16, 17, and 18. It's not just these. Weird words with a weird god. I mean, this is super strange. Why is is Naaman asking? Hey, I'm going with my king into the house of this false god to worship there. Uh, give me two mule loads of dirt. The dirt is 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 a little odd, but it's, it's it fits in with the culture that for for pagans of that day, their gods ruled certain areas. So you had the god of the hills, the god of the valley, the god of the sea, and what Naaman is saying, it doesn't. That, that I'm taking this earth with me because God is not just the God of Israel. The true God is the God of the whole earth. And he's saying, hey, when I have to do this State Department type ritual here, I have to go into this, this country's God with my king, and I have to lean on him arm. I, I'm not really worshiping him. I'm not really doing that. The, the Lord, pardon me, I know that Ramon is not the real God, but the God of Israel is the real God. It wasn't just, washing in the Jordan wasn't just a, a skin change, it was a, it was a heart change. My friends, we need someone who will not just restore our bodies, but who will restore our souls. We need a prophet who will speak in with the word being his deed. We need someone who will come and change us. And Jesus Christ, the good news is that, by, that Jesus Christ, by his death on the cross, takes all his sins upon us. And the good news is that Jesus Christ, by his life here on earth, Gives us a record we could not obtain for ourselves. But we get credit for it. The good news is that Jesus beat death and walked out of a tomb. So if you find someone else who will do that for you, go follow them. But you won't. See, the good news is that God comes in flesh and he he dies on a cross. And he lives a perfect life. and And he rises from the dead and he promises to come back to gather us one day to be with him. And his word is his deed. It just doesn't promise us physical restoration, but it changes our own heart. It does for us what our resume could not do. It heals us of our greatest disease, which is our own sin. That's good news. That that someone else who is able to would do it for us and give us the credit for it. You know, um, as was said, I, I, I grew up outside of Pittsburgh, and I'm, I grew up in a, a little independent fundamental Baptist church, and it was heavily influenced by um, it was heavily influenced by what we would know in um, in American church history as revivalism. so think of like second Great Awakening um, George Whitfield, Charles Finney, that sort of thing and and mostly came up during the 1800s and and out of that revivalism came um, Came its own set of music, own set of, of 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 gospel songs, and I have to be careful. From a musical perspective, they're not that great. Um, from from a from a, a lyric perspective, they're meh. But we sang them a lot. I grew up with them, so there's a there's a special place in my heart for them. And one of the songs we sang. One of the songs we sang. Um, it said, would you be free from your of sin? There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. Would you over evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power. There is power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. And my brothers and sisters, I offer you good news this morning. There's a prophet here who has given you what you need to be washed and be cleaned and be restored. Let's, Let's run to him this morning. Let me pray. Father, we love ourselves. We love our stuff. We love our work. We love our own glory. Deliver us from that this morning. Lord, delight our hearts and our souls and our minds with the good news that Jesus Christ, the true prophet, the promised prophet of Israel has come to live for us, has come to die for us, has come to be raised for us and has united us to himself. Let that message be strong and clear And attractive in our hearts, far above any other message this world would give us. Bring it to mind this morning, this afternoon, this evening, and throughout our week, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Together, (coughs) sing our closing hymn.
2: I hear the Savior say, thy strength.
4: today. We really appreciate it. Lift up your heads and even your hands if you wish to receive this blessing from God's word. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you all, both now and forevermore. Amen. Go in peace. You are dismissed.